0: Welcome to this episode of Disrupt, a podcast of the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Kim Newlove, founder of the Pharmacist Voice. Kim is a go-to pharmacist in audio production. As a pharmacist and a voice actor, she hosts a podcast, narrates audiobooks for pharmacist authors, helps pharmacy professionals plan podcasts, teaches drug name pronunciations, And provides medical narration to clients in the pharmaceutical, biotech, and CME industries. Well, I am excited to have our guest on the podcast this week, Kim Newlove, with us. Kim, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Justin.
0: Well, I'm excited about this episode because I'm going to learn a lot from you about this podcasting thing. I know you've been doing it for quite a bit of time, and we've even um, had some communication back and forth with some ways that we can improve. So we're thankful for that and excited to talk with you today about the the exciting work that you do. So I just want to go ahead and turn it right over to you and uh, let you tell us a little bit more about yourself, both personal and professional.
1: Thanks for the opportunity. I have the professional side where I'm the pharmacist, voice actor, and podcast host, but I also have the personal side where I'm, I've i been married for 22 years, been with my husband for 30 years. We were high school sweethearts. We've got two sons. They are Craig, who's 20 and has autism. He's still in high school. And we have Derek, who is 18 and is a freshman at the University of Cincinnati studying engineering. And I also do volunteering in my community poisoning prevention education, and a number of other things like helping out with my county's addiction task force and some other things that we can talk about later if you want. And something that kind of connects the professional side and the personal side is that I also became an independent provider for the Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities this year. So I am now a paid caregiver for my son, and I can take on other clients as well.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And oh, I hope we can dive into that a little bit more and and see how that connects again, this personal and professional side of all that you do. So I would love to know, when did you first get the itch for getting into this idea of being a voice actor as a pharmacist?
1: I came into this by accident, so I don't think the idea was ever in my head. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what happened was failure happened and I pivoted to the voiceover industry and I just didn't know it even existed. But what happened was I got into my head that I wanted to narrate pharmacy continuing education journals into audio format. I didn't know that there was podcasting out there. I didn't even know what a podcast was back in 2016 when I started thinking about this Mm -hmm. or maybe 2017, whenever it was that I started thinking about it. And What happened was I started sending demos to different people like Pharmacist Letter, American Pharmacists Association, the Ohio Pharmacists Association. So those three, APHA, OPA, and Pharmacist Letter, and I got rejected. It's okay to get rejection. I think failure is one of the best teachers. But what I did was I pivoted. I thought, okay, what I'm really trying to do at, at the most base level of this is I'm trying to use my background as a pharmacist and my speaking voice. Perhaps there's something else out there. Well, as I started looking into audio production, how do I even create something that can be shared in audio? I stumbled upon the voiceover industry. I went to a local audio engineer and he told me a little bit about audio engineering. He didn't teach me, he just told me about it. And he also told me that there's this whole industry out there called the voiceover industry and he pointed me in the direction of a coach. And that's kind of how I got started. I failed, pivoted, and then found my place.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, I resonate with the idea that failure, if we have the proper perspective and that growth mindset, if you will can really be one of the best teachers. That's great advice. So I, I know that since the beginning, your work with the pharmacist voice has really expanded. And so what does that look like for you? What types of things are you doing? Um, and what do you enjoy most about those uh, different types of work?
1: I have a little portfolio here, which I have brought to trade shows and conferences whenever people wanna know a little bit more about me. My specialty, I'll tell you about my specialties and I'll I'll tell you a little bit about the work I've been paid to do. How's that? Sounds great. Specialties first. (laughs) When I first had pivoted into the voiceover industry, I went to medical narration first. And wouldn't you know, that's probably where I've had the most success. But some of those medical narration jobs look a little different from me sitting in front of a microphone. I've actually been paid to fly all over the country and moderate CME events for doctors at doctorate conferences. And they are, it's kind of cool because I say that I do work for pharmaceutical companies, biotech companies, and CME companies, and it's at some of these moderating jobs, these live announce gigs, as I tell people they're called, that I get to bring all three of those together, pharma, biotech, and CME. The CME company pays me, and a pharmaceutical or biotech company sponsors the event, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, i it's exactly what I do. I do medical narration for pharma, biotech, and CME, teaching hospitals, universities, things like that. Live announce gigs are part of that. Sometimes I'm sitting at a desk recording myself, so that's typical medical narration. I do podcasting. There's a bit of medical stuff in my podcasting. I do explainer videos. I do e-learning, and I do nonfiction audiobooks for pharmacists. Now, those are my specialties, but then other stuff that I've gotten paid to do, I have this lovely portfolio, and I'm just kind of flipping through it. I think people are always curious to find out how I get paid. Am I right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. That's a question I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. Yep.
1: Some of I'll tell you some of the things, like nine things I get paid to do. Number one, audiobooks. I don't do a lot of them, but when I do them, I get paid by the finished hour. So when you look at an audiobook on Audible, you'll see that it's, for example, five hours in length. Each of those you know, five hours, they have to pay me by the finished hour to do. So I get paid, previously, I got paid $100 per finished hour, plus I got royalties. So those two things together, the per finished hour rate and the royalties are two ways that I get paid. I also have two online courses. I get paid per student. It's $99 for one of them and $249 for the other course. I do public speaking gigs. I have been the keynote speaker at the University of Toledo's pharmacy camp for high school juniors going into their senior year. And that would be a keynote. So that's public speaking. Uh, We already talked about medical narration and voice acting projects. There is a whole rate sheet that I could get into, but I'll just leave it at that. I get paid for voice acting projects. In the voiceover industry, I'm considered a medical narrator. Same thing. Medical narration, voiceover. I get paid to do consulting per appointment. I have done probably 20 mic checks in my day. Only some of them I've gotten paid for because at first I gave away my time because I didn't know I could get paid for it. But when you see a pattern and a demand for something, then you can kind of start asking for money. I've helped pharmacists who want to narrate their own audiobooks. I've helped them prepare. I've gotten paid for podcasting stuff. Somebody out there has paid me to help them with drug name pronunciations, just saying I've gotten paid for consulting doing that. I have not ever gotten paid for script preparation, but it is something that I tell people I can help them with. I've gotten paid to review websites and review podcasts. I get affiliate incomes from various sources. And, oh, I just did an in-person podcasting 101 type class last week here in my community. That was cool. And I also get paid as an independent provider for the Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities. How's that for you? Lots of income streams. What questions do you have, Justin?
0: Yeah, though that's fantastic. What I love about that is that you've got to have a true entrepreneurial spirit to find all of these revenue streams. I think what I find most fascinating about it though, is you're not just getting paid for the work you do. There are certain things where royalties are involved, like listens to your audiobooks that you narrate. Um, So uh, I think that's the epitome of an entrepreneurial mindset, looking for an idea and an opportunity and finding a way to capitalize on it. Of all of those, which of those do you enjoy most right now?
1: Anything podcasting. I actually have really grown to love podcasting and it's become very easy for me. Helping pharmacists, especially plan podcasts, has been really a joy lately. I think that's what I enjoy the most. And my my own podcast I enjoy doing, which I don't necessarily get paid for, but I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure that you see that as a way for people to get to know who you are and your work, even though it may not be a revenue stream, it's connected to the overall way that you run the business, if you will. Is that a fair way to look at the podcasting?
1: I have a business with a podcast. Yes, they are connected. My podcast actually lives on my business website. Yes, they're connected for sure. My podcast is branding, marketing, networking, and relationship building.
0: Yep, absolutely. I love that. Okay, so now I want to step back and ask a little bit more about your why for the work that you do. What is it that drives you each day At The Pharmacist Voice, why do you enjoy this work and want to continue doing it?
1: I am inspired every day at the fact that I have a voice. There is power in having a voice and using it. My son, Craig, who has autism, he's 20 years old. He is nonverbal. Watching him struggle every day to communicate because he can't say anything with his mouth, it has actually inspired me to respect my own voice. I am excited every single day to do something that pays tribute to my having a voice.
0: Hmm. I don't even know what to say after that. Um, Kudos to you for the ways that you're caring well for him and using your platform as a pharmacist. And also this recent work related to caring for others who also have different developmental disabilities. Um, What a great way to use the various platforms that you've been given over time, that's great. So at what point do you feel like your work with The Pharmacist Voice could actually be a a business? I know we talked about the idea and stumbling into it, but when did you see this as a way for you to actually have a vocation, if you will?
1: Immediately.
0: (laughs) Okay, great.
1: I don't know about you, but giving away time gets old fast. I love volunteering. There's a lot that I do to volunteer like poisoning prevention education as an amateur, okay? I'm not a poison center employee at all. I love Drug Take Back Day. I love advocating for it, not just in my own community and my neighborhood, but also with my whole entire county. And I love helping with the addiction task force for Wood County, Ohio, which is where I live. I have been able to make an impact from a faith-based perspective I noticed that there wasn't a whole lot of interaction between the faith communities and drug abuse prevention and treatment organizations. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I made at least three faith community discussions about opioid addiction and addiction in general. And I connected pastors and other people in faith communities, the Christian ed leaders and whatnot, with people in the drug abuse prevention and treatment organizations so that when somebody comes in a vulnerable time, to their faith community leader and says, listen, I've got this problem. I keep it a secret and I need some help now. I want that faith community leader to have the information they need to make a warm handoff between that person in need and the agency that will ultimately help them. I brought them together, and I actually received an award from the Wood County Atomus Board for doing that. And I'm not saying this because I got an award. I'm saying it because as a volunteer, I was able to make an impact. Mm. But back to your question, when did I see that I could monetize the pharmacist's voice? I would say immediately, because I wanted to separate my volunteer work From something that I could do as a paid position. What I really wanted to do was use my background as a pharmacist and my speaking voice, combine them and create some sort of a business. That's how I came up with the name for my business too. It was that organic. I'm a pharmacist who uses her voice, my speaking voice or my voice in writing. I wanted a flexible name that would do what it says.
0: Wow, there's so much to, to unpack there. And, and thanks for taking us down that road as well on this idea that we often think of of work-life balance. We hear that word a lot, right? And yet what I hear from you is that you're looking for ways that you can integrate all aspects of your life in, in many different ways to benefit those around you. I love the idea of bringing faith communities together to talk about addiction because there is a lot of stigma there. Let's be honest. In reality though, the faith community can be one of the greatest allies of those who are experiencing um, addiction or abuse or misuse if we structure it that way. So kudos to you. I, I'm, I'm sure that award was um, was well deserved um, and I'm excited to hear about that particular work. Um, so great job there.
1: Thank you. If you think about it, just I want to say one more thing. Sure. and I've got the award here. It's shiny and blue and it looks <laughs> like the county, Wood County. And I just showed it to Justin. Sorry, listeners, I know you can't see that. But one of the I want to stress that our faith communities are places where we still tend to meet on a weekly basis in mm-hmm. person, face to face, and get to know people, whereas mm-hmm. on social media, people come and go, maybe by the minute, faith communities, churches, synagogues, temples, centers. They're all places that we typically go about once a week and we still connect. So I think faith communities are incredibly important.
0: Great advice there. And again, the profession and all of these things can come together in beautiful ways. So I want to pivot a little bit and and talk a bit more about your podcast. Um, I've listened to a number of your episodes. Um, I actually love your pronunciation episodes. That is something that so many of us struggle with, even pharmacists who have gone through school and heard our professors say them three different ways, right? Um, So tell us a bit more about your podcast, the things that you produce through it, and the types of episodes that you produce.
1: You're in for a long answer here, sir. I like to keep my answer short. But okay, <laughs> let's get into it. I have seven different types of episodes. I do my drug name pronunciation episodes, usually the first Friday of every month. I have 20 of them at this point. We'll get into why I do those in just a minute. The second kind I do, I only do four times a year. It's called a quarterly update. I like to let my listeners get to know me as a person. I talk about my business, my podcast, my family, and what I'm reading to, listening, watching, and playing. In case they're interested, who is this person? What does she like to do in her free time? It's really me, and this is really what happens in my life. So if you're interested in getting to know me, look at those quarterly updates. I also have four other kinds of solo shows They are shows about being a pharmacist, shows about being a voice actor, shows about being a pharmacist podcaster, and shows about being a second career individual who has made a career transition from pharmacist to voice actor and podcast host. Those are the six different types of solo shows. I also have interview shows, which are very straightforward. They're basically me and somebody like Justin, who's a pharmacist typically, talking about how they use their voice. To advocate for something like public health, educate in some way, like teaching an online course, or entertain, like being a podcaster or a YouTuber or an author. Those are my interview shows. Altogether, that's seven different types of podcast episodes on the same podcast channel. <laughs> that's and a lot.
0: It is, yeah. And I think you're well over 200 episodes at this point. What, 250? Close to that, right?
1: Close. I've got 243 on Friday, coming up here on Friday, September the 22nd. And I have a second podcast, which I do for the city of Perrysburg. It's called the Perrysburg Podcast. I live in Perrysburg, Ohio, which is where I 75 meets 8090, which is the Ohio Turnpike. Think Northwest Ohio. That's where I'm at.
0: So I want to go back to the genesis of your medication pronunciation episode so tell me more about the story of why that became one of the foci if you will of your podcast
1: oh man I love this story I <laughs> came to the voiceover industry even pharmacists sometimes do not know how to pronounce things I would often get asked from other voice actors especially the medical ones how do you say this and I would tell them and it would just roll off my tongue and, not that they're jealous or anything but they wanted to know more. You know, there's this one and it was almost like they wanted to be able to push a button and then I just tell them the pronunciation. Voice actors are pretty smart. They can record something and listen to it over and over again and get it pretty good. They can say things just as much as just as well as I can, which is why they are my competition for medical narration jobs you don't have to be a medical person to be a medical narrator most of the medical narrators i have met are not medical professionals mm-hmm. <laughs> but they it's kind of like i'm not a doctor but i i sound like one on tv or you know i play one on tv <laughs> right, right? <laughs> that's the medical narrators but as i was really trying to break apart how do i know how to say this I had the thought run through my head, like you said earlier, Justin, about how you'll have professors, often like three different professors, they pronounce it three different ways, and you got to pick one and go with it, right? And so I, I brought it down to the, the basement level, like, why is this happening? Why do I know how to say this? How do I know how to say a new drug name that comes out? And I just picked it apart until I figured it out. So I got curious. And I figured it out. Then I made a drug name pronunciation course about it so I could teach other people. I must admit, I won't say it's a failure, but it's close to a failure. I thought I would make a million dollars off of that. I didn't make a (laughs) million (laughs) dollars. I thought everybody needs this, pharmacy students and everything. But there's so much that I learned from not the failure, but just from doing the thing. Anyways, what I learned, I ended up sharing in these drug name pronunciation episodes. It took a long time really to figure out why anybody says a drug name the way they do. And the source is available. For brand name drugs, there's no dictionary. But for generics, there is. And finding out how to access this generic pronunciation dictionary was really interesting. It, there's a, a barrier to entry, $350. You have to subscribe to it. For brand name drugs it's a little different and I thought you know there's all these different people that have podcasts or YouTube channels and they say it a certain way how do they figure it out and one of the people I went to was the food and drug administration the FDA uh, has a number of podcasts one of them is the FDA drug safety podcast they have a lot of public information in the it's called CEDAR, the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research Division of Drug Information. I talked to them. I sent them a snail mail letter. Somebody finally got back to me. I emailed them. It was a long time coming. The government has a standard operating procedure for pronouncing drug names. Can you imagine that? There you go. Leave it to the government. So <laughs> they shared theirs with me. And I thought, okay, I, I thought this that you could do that and that and that. I got ideas in addition to what I already thought was out there. I put it all together, made a drug name pronunciation course, and I thought, let's take this to the podcast and do one drug name per week. I started off with two at first and I kind of dwindled it down to just one per week. Sometimes I just do the generic, sometimes I do the generic and the brand but I'm sharing what I know. This is branding. I am branding myself as somebody who knows how to pronounce stuff. That has a lot of value for me. That was also networking with the FDA. That's how I became one of their podcasters that they trust to interview their United States Public Health Service Commissioned Corps officers. That's how that all got started. There's so many good things that came out of me being curious and figuring something out. I needed help. I wasn't afraid to ask for it, I got it, but I got more than I bargained for. And that's kind of how it came about. I made the course, then I made the uh, drug name pronunciation episodes on my podcast. And I love them. They're my favorite.
0: Yeah, I enjoy them too. They've been great. Um, uh, As a follow up question, and there were a lot of other things I want to go back to there about your journey as an entrepreneur and some things that you do well. How did you pick which drugs to start with?
1: That's a great question. At first, I picked drug names that I was curious about, or I'd hear about them on TV and say, how the heck do you say that? Or they would be for an interesting disease state or health condition, and I wanted to know more. Again, got curious and figured it out. Now, as I'm going through time, there will be things in the news, like women's health and the abortion pills. That's why I picked those metoprolol I picked because somebody I was listening to, just an average person out in the community was saying, oh, I need to go home and take my metoprolol, but they mispronounced it. And I thought, boy, that one, I've heard three different ways myself. I looked in my resource that I use for generic drug name pronunciations, and they actually had three different official pronunciations for metoprolol. Who knew? I did not know that you could have three different pronunciations, official ones, right? Did you?
0: <laughs> I had no idea, no.
1: Yeah, that's one of the ways though, that's I hear something in the community or there's some trending topic or I get curious about something.
0: So you've talked about a number of things that have helped you to be successful as an entrepreneur. You've mentioned um, curiosity, the um, uh, just the stick to right, of figuring it out and you've mentioned networking. Um, What other factors have helped you to be successful with the pharmacist voice?
1: Okay, I think we talked about failure earlier. I would say failure and success are two things that have helped me become successful. Success is helpful for being successful in the way that if I do a project and I get paid for it and I get rehired for it, then I know that I'm moving in the right direction, right? I like repeat clients, I like referrals, all that helps me understand that i'm moving in the right direction i guess statistics you know if you look at who's hiring me and how much i'm making that all helps but then failure helps because when you fail it helps you move away from those things that aren't paying that aren't productive uses of your time Failure's a great teacher Successes too
0: that's great i would also love to hear i, I know of course you're very big into mentoring others Did you have anyone in your life that served as a mentor to help you as you were looking for ways to build out the pharmacist voice?
1: Yes. I would say mentors, believe it or not, this story is going to involve cupcakes. All right. (laughs) When I was first looking into starting a business, I went to the small business administration's website. That's a government resource The SBA. I think it's SBA.gov. They help small businesses move forward. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. (laughs) And they also had these centers for women's entrepreneurship. I am a female and they help specifically women because sometimes there's A difference between men and women when it comes to starting a business they're more successful when they're mentored by other women sometimes and that was the case for me I met somebody who became my mentor her name was Sandra she was my first mentor and she helped me understand some of the first steps for starting a business I was able to take my first few steps because of her. She ended up leaving the Center for Women's Entrepreneurship, which happened to be in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That was the nearest one to me. They also had some in Cleveland and Columbus, but I think Fort Wayne was the closest. We had an online relationship anyway, so it really didn't matter. But as she was leaving, she said, you might want to check with your local chapter of SCORE, It's the Service Corps of Retired Entrepreneurs or something like, or executives. Service Corps of Retired Executives. I was able to meet locally, physically, in person with a couple of mentors here in Perrysburg at my local library. They were able to look at what I had done and suggest some next steps. And when I say next steps and first steps, I'm talking about getting a tax ID with the IRS and getting an attorney so I could officially become an LLC. These are some of the early steps. I thought those were the hard parts when I was first getting started. Now I think, oh my gosh, that was the easy stuff. But when you're an entrepreneur, you should want to just do the thing the thing that you want to do. You shouldn't want to balance your books or do your own marketing. For me, I just want to sit in front of a microphone and produce projects or create online courses or whatever. SBA, SCORE, those were all important to me. And then going to the Metapreneurs Summits, which have been in various cities across the United States, including Asheville, North Carolina, Cincinnati, Ohio, and now Kansas City, Missouri, Going there and meeting up with other entrepreneurs, even though they're not my mentors, so to speak. They're kind of mentors. Sue Paul, Michelle Fritch, Anna Garrett, all of them pharmacists. Talking to other entrepreneurs will be kind of like mentorship, but accountability too. Exchanging ideas. Those were all very important to me. And then having coaches for voiceover. I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I had all kinds of mentors with audio engineering, learning medical narration, learning all kinds of things like how to direct market on LinkedIn, my podcasting coach, Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. I mean, he's been a huge influence in my life. So many people have come into my life and I am grateful. Yes, I've had mentors, Justin. They've been (laughs) awesome too. I've had the best. Such good experiences.
0: Yeah. And I love that you also are giving back in the same ways. So you've mentioned a little bit of that at the beginning of the podcast, how you mentor others, but could you give us a bit more specific information about some of those ways that you give back and help others succeed?
1: Sure. I don't know if some of them would appreciate me outing them.
0: (laughs) That's okay. Yeah.
1: But part of being an entrepreneur is giving your time away at first because you don't know it's valuable. One, for example, I gave away some time to my friend, Janan, Janan Sarwar. And she is a publisher at Global Bookshelves, Global Bookshelves International. You can find that at globalbookshelves.com. She published books for a long time at APHA. And she ended up going off on her own, becoming a publisher. And she asked me a simple question. Do you know how to an audiobook? And of course the answer is yes, I've published audiobooks. I'm on Audible, iTunes, and what else am I on? Audible, iTunes, and... Amazon.com. I'm an audiobook narrator, for real. And I told her a few different things, and she said, whoa, this is a lot. You should be teaching other people how to do this. And I thought to myself, nah, (laughs) I don't really have the structure. I I don't know what I'm doing enough. I actually literally have an email from her tacked to my bulletin board to remind me that I knew a lot more than I thought I did, and I have since mentored pharmacists to narrate their own audiobooks. One of them was on my podcast back in the Pharmacist Authors Series in June of 2023. Her name's Salam Kabani. She had a book called COVID Long Hauler, My Life Since COVID. She did it. I mean, she is no audiobook narrator by trade, but she had the passion to do this. And she just needed the first few steps. And for me to point her in the direction of who she needed to talk to to finish it, she got that thing over the finish line, and she's proud of it. And I'm proud of her. That's a really good example of sometime when I mentored someone.
0: Well, again, that's something that we, uh, we should be doing. Um, if we want to help others succeed and really maximize the impact that we make in whatever platform that we're given, it's all about connecting with others and, and rubbing shoulders alongside of them and, and even uh, helping them to be successful. So thanks for being a, a great example of that for us.
1: I would love to tell you about a couple of podcasting friends, too. Do you mind?
0: Let's do it. Yeah.
1: Okay. In the beginning, when I first started my podcast, a lot of other pharmacists wanted to start podcasts, too. They came to me about their podcasts, and because I have had some influence on them, I can now listen to their podcasts. Some decided that the traditional podcast, traditional podcasting was not for them, so they went the YouTube podcast route, and I get such satisfaction out of seeing them grow their podcasts and knowing that I had just maybe even a little finger to push them forward in the beginning. Thank you for letting me share that.
0: Oh, absolutely. All right. I want to pivot again and maybe ask a a different question, which is related to, let's talk a bit more about some of those failures. You've already highlighted a few of them, but they can be such a great learning tool for us, right? So as I ask you, Which failures have you learned the most from? Is there anything that comes to mind?
1: I'm going to try not to laugh when I say this. Oh my gosh, audio engineering made me cry. (laughs) It was so hard. (laughs) When I was first getting started, I did not know what I was doing. I ended up with a free program off the internet called Audacity. Do you know that one, Justin? Yeah,
0: very familiar.
1: Okay. Audacity, it's not that bad. But I I feel like I'm not very tech savvy. And one of my failures was I did not know how to use it. And I, I knew how to speak the part that I wanted to record. I just didn't know how to do the thing. I was so frustrated. I cried. And I don't cry easily. <laughs> Audio engineering is no joke. But I remember, oh, there's so many failures. I want to spit them all out at once. Sorry. But anyways, I got an online course with somebody named Jonah Rosenthal, who works at the Global Voice Acting Academy, which I believe you can find at gvaa.com, Global Voice Acting Academy. And this one hour, it might have been more than two hours, actually, it might have been one or two hour online course, it set me straight. And I was able to press record record the thing I wanted to, press stop, and create an MP3. Ooh. I'm bumping my mic, sorry. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't come through. But I'm I'm like victory hands over here. It was so exciting to be able to come back from a failure, okay? And then also when I met my first, uh, my first narration coach, it wasn't even a medical person. It was just a generalist. Her name is Nancy Wolfson. She's one of the best in the business, very tough. I love her but I didn't know how to plug in a microphone when I first got started (laughs) and she was so gracious. And she, she made it a requirement. If you don't show up on time and have a microphone and have your homework done and ready and in front of you, you know, I will not work with you. She just had all these very specific things. She's very Hollywood and I did not want to double cross her. I had all my stuff ready. I plugged in my microphone and I appeared in front of her on my microphone well, I didn't tell my computer to use the microphone that I plugged in. <laughs> That's one of the number one things I talk to people about when they come to me for a mic check. That was a huge failure. And I learned don't double cross anybody with <laughs> without having your microphone set up. They will hang up on you. But she let me through on that first time, the second time we worked together, I thought I had fixed the problem. Oh, I hadn't. And she made me end the session. That hurt to the tune of $170 down the drain. I basically lost the time with her and that money. And that taught me, I need to figure this out. And so I ended up getting help from a fellow voice actor and he showed me how to hook it up. He's actually the same guy that had the online course for Audacity. Oh, those failures hurt. They hurt bad. And then trying to switch my recording software to Studio One Artist when I started narrating audiobooks. That was a huge, epic fail. I did not know how to do it, but it had the features I needed. Therefore, I needed to learn how to use it. I had to go through an online course and join a Facebook community. All the things. I'm all set now, but oh, That hurt so bad, learning audio engineering on a second platform. I didn't like it the first time, didn't like it much better the second time. (laughs) And I always try to warn people that go into podcasting, making an MP3 file, audio engineering is most likely going to be the hardest thing that you do.
0: Well, in full disclosure, um, I'm very thankful that Kim was gracious because I may or may not had some failures today as we were even setting up our podcast. So uh, I do appreciate that. Even when you feel like you know these things, sometimes things can go wrong. So um, that's great. So I want to turn and allow you to maybe share some advice. If we had a pharmacist or a pharmacy student that was listening and they are thinking, oh, I've got an idea for something that I could do. Maybe it's a podcast or maybe it's something different. Do you have any advice that you would share with them about starting their own idea or launching their own podcast?
1: For podcasting specifically?
0: Yeah, let's go to podcasting specifically.
1: Oh, I know all about that. All right. For for planning a podcast, I would say 100% <laughs> plan before you launch. Podcasting is a creative endeavor. 100%. There's no way around it. You are creating a recipe, not building a statue. You need to keep that in mind. It is easy to change a recipe. It's darn near impossible to change a statue. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Keep an open mind. There's more than one way to create a podcast. Plan before you launch. I have an online course. It's a behind-the-scenes look at the Pharmacist's Voice podcast. You can find it at kimnewlove.com. It's $249 per student. I'm hoping to launch a week-by-week class where people show up online via Zoom, and we work together week-by-week to create a podcast. But you have to know your why 100% there is no way around it. Have to know your why. I actually have a a cheat sheet that you can see on kimnewlove.com. And some of the planning questions that I have, I have them right here. You have to know what your why is. You have to know how to start a podcast. There's a lot of different ways to do it. In my online course, I talk about all the different ways you can do it. You need to consider how much time you have available compared to how long it takes you to create episodes. You have to know what tools and gear to buy, where to buy them, how to learn how to use them. You have to consider how much research you need for each episode, research and reflection. There is writing involved in having a podcast, believe it or not. Know what you need to write. Know how to create MP3 files, even if it makes you cry. Learn how to do it. (laughs) Learn about episode artwork, Figure out what you're going to use for your podcast artwork, your episode artwork, your YouTube thumbnails. Learn what a podcast hosting platform is, which one you'll use, which features you need. Learn about all the different types of podcast websites and how having a podcast on your website might help you with SEO. Find out where your podcast is going to live. And advertising. Think about how you're going to advertise it. If you can plan a podcast with all those things in mind, you can totally do it. But plan before you launch. Build your recipe before you make the thing.
0: Oh, that's great advice and some things that we wish we would have known before we started into this podcasting thing too. So thanks for sharing that. So I'd love to know what keeps you motivated and focused on your goals. You've talked a bit about your why but you've got a lot of things going on. Um, You are a busy person. How do you stay motivated and focused on the goals that are ahead of you?
1: Motivated, I would say, is kind of an internal thing. I am constantly inspired by my ability to produce speech. I am motivated very much. You know, there's people out there who say that you need to find purpose in your pain. I I find it extremely painful to watch my son struggle on a daily basis to communicate. He doesn't have friends. He has to struggle to get his wants and needs met. Speech production on a daily basis motivates me. I can talk today. Let's do something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's part of it. Or let's help somebody, let's mentor somebody, whatever, I, I just want to do something with my voice. I want to tell you about production schedules, especially as it relates to podcasting, because I don't know if you would relate to the whole voiceover thing, having some sort of a schedule where you understand how much time is needed, and when your due date is, is incredibly helpful. I have a podcast production schedule. I come out with a new podcast episode every single Friday for each of my two podcasts. It's a lot of work, but the more I've done it, I mean, over 250 episodes over four years, I, I'm just so efficient. I can keep up with a weekly episode for two podcasts now. If I just write down, I yes, I write down things with a pen and a piece of paper. <laughs> I'm just one of those tactile people. If I have a production schedule, I can stay on task. I can stay on time. I would recommend anybody out there create goals and then work to achieving them. If I didn't know which weeks I'm gonna have my solo shows, my interview shows, my quarterly updates, my pronunciation episodes, I would be scrambling every week. But because I know what my production schedule is, I can schedule guests weeks or months out. I have a wait list in case somebody drops out on me, which I rescheduled somebody four times and she's still canceled. And I I had to quit being a victim. And I had to say, listen, I think you're great, but we just can't work together. It happens. So I would say get organized, make a production schedule.
0: Very good. Okay. Okay. So I know you have future plans for The Pharmacist Voice. You're doing a lot of things, but I would love to hear, what are some of the things you're working on?
1: Some of them are secret. (laughs) Okay, then that's fair. Totally. I'm working on a a new offering for my online course, a behind-the-scenes look at The Pharmacist Voice podcast. What I'm trying to do is combine the self-paced online course with a live course that somebody has to show up to via Zoom. I just did an in-person podcasting 101 class here in my community, and I know that people have questions. And if I had a a class every single week that people could show up to, then they might be successful too. Some of my self-paced online course students haven't even made it through the whole course. And I'm thinking, what can I do to help them? And I think having them show up every week to go through the lesson together and assigning them homework, kind of like those questions, those planning questions I just mentioned, have them come in with their homework completed and we can all discuss. I think it would be fantastic. So that is one of my things that's coming up next, having these in-person courses that are paired up with the self-paced online courses. I do have some secret stuff that I wish I could talk about with the medical narration and whatnot, but I will not talk about that yet. I can tell you that I'm working on a new medical narration demo. My medical narration demo that is on my website at this time is not that good of a representation of what I am capable of now. I'm so excited. I am just (laughs) not speaking in direct sentences. I'm working with my medical narration coach, Debbie Irwin. She's my second medical narration coach ever. We get along great and she's going to be producing the demo. The opportunity to work with somebody like her who is so experienced is fantastic. We're doing what's called pulling copy. We're grabbing different samples of things that I'm going to practice and will record me saying, and then we'll make a new demo that goes on my website. That's super exciting. I'm keeping the podcast going. I'm looking at other ways to monetize what I do with medical narration. I'm constantly direct marketing myself to people which at first felt really like slimy and self-promotional, but you got to do it and I will continue to do that. I have some income goals. I won't exactly be sharing that here, but the business has grown year over year and I plan to continue to grow it. Not aggressively because I'm doing this part-time, but I have some goals and I really do think they're realistic and I'm excited.
0: Well, personally, it's been fun to... Watch the pharmacist's voice grow over the past few years. I think the first time we connected was at one of the Metapreneurs conferences. And, and since then, it's just been really neat to see how you've used what you're gifted with, both your training professionally as a pharmacist and your voice to make a difference. So thanks for doing that and being a great example of an innovator and entrepreneur. I hope our listeners have listened very closely. There are a lot of nuggets you can take from this particular episode. Well, Kim, before we end, I wanted to give you an opportunity to let our listeners know where they can find out more about the many things that you do.
1: Thanks for the opportunity. My website is thepharmacistsvoice.com. That's pharmacists with an S, voice.com. You can find the podcast there, my medical narration demo. Catch it before it's gone, because pretty soon it's going to be replaced. All the podcast episodes are on there. There's a store button where you can go to my online courses, There's one about drug name pronunciations. There's another one about a behind the scenes look at my podcast. I show you behind the scenes of mine to help you decide if you want to start yours. And I want to also leave you with something a little scripture reading. This is part of Matthew 17 20. It's about the mustard seed. Have a mustard seed mentality. Faith can move mountains. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I want to pass along to you a little mustard seed, you the listener. If I can build a podcast, you can build a podcast. If you can find your strengths and your passions and use your voice for something, I don't see why you can't monetize it. Take that little mustard seed of faith and go forth and do something amazing.
0: What a great way to end. Thank you so much, Kim, for joining us on our podcast. We are indebted to you. Um, Again, many thanks for coming on here with us.
1: My pleasure, Justin, take care.
0: You have been listening to Disrupt, a podcast from the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe and share this podcast with others. Thanks for listening.